Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Usually the acquiring and losing of skills and abilities is compressed towards learning when you're younger and losing when you're older. In some ways, chronic illness and loss of ability is like aging in super speed with your body fighting back to retain what it can. While we often think of people as how they lived and not how they died, so too do I see, among the loss and death of things in chronic illness, the vivacity in life that carries us through it. It may seem confusing to have life and fun so intermingled with death and loss, but it can be hard with chronically ill folks, as some might describe, to watch them die slowly. But in truth, you're also watching them live In some ways, the triumph of life and joy and fun over great adversity is just one of those hallmarks of the human condition. It's an essential part of our nature that has led us from the first cell that ever existed on this planet through all of its descendants, each reaching sexual maturity, reproducing, and protecting their offspring long enough for them to reach sexual maturity too. That unbroken chain from the proverbial slime in the primordial soup through single-cell bacteria, still ubiquitous and successful today, as a microbiograd, I say this, um, through other branches of successful modern life like plants and animals, even fast-forwarding to hominids, think great apes, evolution from the first apes to stand upright to the first to use tools to your most distant imagined ancestors all the way to your life today. Every single organism from that first cell to you exists almost suspended in time in this unbreaking chain. And that chain is no shorter and no less impressive for any human being alive today, including the human being I interview, Billy, the 10-year survivor of Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS. Billy has some great takeaways. Last time we covered psychology of surviving severe sickness, Apology for, is that, is that sibilance? Is that what that is? I think that's what that is. Well, flame me in the comments if it's not. Um, and today, instead, we continue that conversation chatting about how appreciation of the high points in our life change throughout our life. That is to say, a great blackberry that you eat when you're 27 might be harder to remember when you're approaching 57 but you might actually genuinely appreciate and feel gratitude towards that memory more when you're 57 than when you're 27, when you can't eat them anymore. 
Of course, I'm speaking from a position of being on a low FODMAP diet where there's a lot of things I can't eat. And I really resonate with this awesome idea that Billy shares that even if it's all downhill from here, as it were, you can still appreciate what it was like the looking at the city, the view from the top. But it'll make way more sense when Billy communicates it herself. As usual, content warning for graphic descriptions of sickness and, of course, Billy's hilarious sense of dark humor. Um, you were talking about having to grieve for things you'd lost, and I just kind of wanted to start there. Sure, yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, in, in keeping positive, and my dark humor has definitely helped, there's, it's it's kind of funny, because it's almost like my dark humor has, like, turned into the savior of all things. Mm-hmm. Because, like, a lot of times it's fun things. Like, I used to love bowling, mm-hmm. um, but I can't anymore because the pulling my arm back causes my elbow to dislocate, and then the weight of the ball itself is putting stress on all the other joints. Right. Like, these, these are, like, little things that most people don't think about where I just I can't do it at all. Um, so there's a lot of grief with that. Like, especially I work in an environment where it's very team-led and we have team building and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when people are like, let's go go-karting. Sorry, I can't. Let's go bowling. Right. Sorry, I can't. What about skating? Sorry, I can't. Like, it's it's everything fun other people want to do. I'm the one that ruins it. <laughs> and Ouch. it's just like, it sucks, right? Because, like, it's hard to not think people hate you for that. When you're the reason everyone has to not have fun. Right. So like there's been times where I, I've literally just said, let's just do it. And then sat and watched the purses. <laughs> like, like, right. That you just like, like I've got gone bowling, but I just sit there and watch everybody. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, and it was something that I could do with my grandma and it was something that was fun that like, it was just no longer an option for me. Right. And it's almost like having a funeral for your abilities. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, I used to be able to pick things up. And it made my life easier to just lift a box and move it. Well, now I have to take one thing out of the box and put it in the new box and one more thing. And it's a process to take so much longer than if I would have just picked the box up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's you have to have the grief to be able to move forward to do it correctly because one thing I did at the beginning of my diagnosis and for a very long time is I continued to work places I shouldn't. I continued to waitress. I worked at a hardware store. I used to throw 40 pound bags of soil in the back of people's cars. Mm -hmm. And I was just in complete denial that I wasn't that bad and I wasn't going to get that bad. Mm -hmm. And sorry to see yeah, take all the time you need. Uh, but yeah, so I was... Um, but like, that's the stages of grief, right? Like, denial, mm-hmm. straight up. It was like, it hurts, but it's not going to make me worse. Mm-hmm. And that's what I told myself. But when you pull on a joint that's not very stable enough times, eventually it'll let go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, in all this time, I was just... 
causing all this damage because I just refused to admit it. And I had to like start having these moments where I just, you know, sat down with myself and was like, think about what you can do. Like, give me some things that you can do right now that don't affect your condition and like no lies Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of thing. And it's just, and it's prioritizing things Mm -hmm. and just making things easier. But I, I had to just, I had that time of just being an idiot and just refusing to understand it. I feel like everyone, everyone needs that time. That's true. I wish I hadn't, you know, hurt myself. You know, we Mm -hmm. live with it. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of come to the point to me now or it's, yeah. Now when like new things come, I kind of just go, eh, add it to the pile. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But no, like, um, with me being so not so great this year, like this one's been really hard since I fell last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, just my limits have been just so much more limiting. Um, and yeah, it's really hard. Like, like honestly, like in my head, I would like have little funerals for things (laughs) like, okay, well, we used to enjoy this here. It lies. Goodbye. (laughs) And then I just found ways that, or like adaptive things. Mm -hmm. Cause there are a lot of things that can be adapted. Like when it came to bowling, I'm allowed to do five pin. If it has one of those little things, if I can sit it at the top and then it just rolls down the hill. Right. Right. Like I could do that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it, a lot of it is like understanding that just because I don't want help, because I think I'm magical and can do whatever I want. No, like it doesn't make me anything less or less fun if I have to have an adaptation to it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was really hard. Like I was, I was almost like grieving me being normal. Yeah. And then once that was out the window, like once I was finally like, okay, I'm hella disabled. This is how it is. I just like, I started enjoying life more in a mental sense. Mm-hmm. I can't do a lot of things, but I'm just like, oh my God, like, totally just lost my train of thought. Thank you, drugs. No, that's um, totally okay. You were talking about enjoying life psychologically more. Uh, yeah, because now, like I like I was saying earlier, like I just, I've sloughed off embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want it anymore. Like, and then I've also realized that by being open and honest and bubbly and like voicing my limitations, I've had other people be like, Oh, I have a problem with that. Or I, I've, you know, been dealing with something Mm -hmm. and I'm like, and that's okay. Like, don't hurt yourself for it. Mm -hmm. Cause like, that's the worst part. Like that, beginning stage of illness is the absolute like it's horrible yeah i mean the last five months without having like i'm so excited that the pool is open again because i've deconditioned a lot Mm -hmm. but um yeah like just being told it's it's like coming down to being a kid and being told no (laughs) you know (laughs) like you're just like but i want to right that's that's (laughs) how i've been feeling about food yes 
storm out of the room. I'm doing it anyway. And it's just like, that's how it feels. Like when you first get those new rules, basically of life. Right. Like, like here's now what you're dealing with and how you handle that is like up to you. And yeah. So obviously I'm always going to feel a little left out when it comes to certain fun situations. Mm Mm-hmm but I've like found ways to work myself in, you know, like maybe I can't exactly participate in what's happening, but Hey, maybe I can like bake some cookies and bring them mm-hmm. and like help people with stuff in between when they're playing. Mm-hmm. Cause there's always people who aren't playing when someone else is playing stuff like that. So yeah, you can have, yeah, I had to like have those horrible moments where I was sad and I was never going to do it again. And I was never going to step foot into another one of those buildings. And I was blah, blah, blah. And angry. It's part of those stages of grieving, totally. Yeah. To being like, but I could help somebody else have fun. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely that <laughs> negotiating. Oh, I was just gonna say there's there's definitely that that sense of like negotiating for like um yeah, like, oh well now that I've gotten through all my like you know, like the first few stages of grief, you sort of, you get onto a certain point of trying to bargain and being like, well, maybe if I did this, well, what if I did this? Could this possibly work? Yeah. And eventually, oh, and eventually you get to that acceptance. Yeah. For me with food, that was, that was very much a, a grief process because I, I always loved certain foods that I've associated like in terms of an identity with, with the Pacific Northwest, which is where I was born, where I grew up. So when I think of like blackberries, I think of, you know, summer spent going through bramble patches as a kid, like just eating all the blackberries and now um, trying to reintroduce blackberries into my diet because I'm low FODMAP. I had um, I had one blackberry on the first day and then I was, I was supposed to do a day off and then, well, there are two different ways to do reintroduction, but long story long, um, I had three blackberries two days in a row and got ruthlessly sick from that and there was just this this grieving and this anger and this and this sense of just like yeah you just have to work through the grief and the pain of not having that thing anymore and eventually i came to a place of acceptance because like in in some ways um because my condition is so painful it's actually kind of fortunate because it really promotes things like crying which are really helpful for processing through the grief Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. I'm a very emotional person. I cry a lot. That's <laughs> so, okay. That's totally I cry, reasonable. I cry at commercials. I cry at Hamilton at least six times. <laughs> Who doesn't cry at Hamilton, though? Oh, when I was recording at Squad Uptown this morning, yeah. I was crying. <laughs> well, you were working through the um, unimaginable. I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that with Doritos. I had the exact same... Uh, experience that you had tried to oh, reintroduce yes. doritos and don't no. don't they spray them with mm-hmm. modified milk products i don't know do they some of them they do i don't know which flavors but like even the 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 hint of lime chips that you wouldn't think would have milk anywhere near them they enrich the umami of the hint of lime flavor by adding lactose they just spray milk oh. sugar which makes them yeah, poison I- to me yeah, I have lactose issues, but I am actually one of the lucky people where lactase, like taking lactase cool. works for me. So thankfully, we'll, we'll see how long that works for. 
Yeah. But I can't, like, I can't even have tortilla chips anymore. Like a plain everyday tortilla chip. I had a handful a week and a half ago and it went kind of okay, but like, I won't push the envelope. Like it will be months before I eat them again. Yeah. And honestly, that's about where I am with tortilla chips as well. I could have about a handful of tortilla chips before the corn starts getting to me. And I can do the same with popcorn, but about a handful, maybe two with popcorn, depending on how much I'm pushing myself. Yeah. And then it like tears through you like glass. Yeah. It's not fun. I swear. Like it feels like I just sat there and ate bottles of glass. That's so rough. The the pain that I get. Like a very stabbing pain. Um, Yeah. No, that's true. and then, like, fantastic diarrhea afterwards, you know. I mean, if <laughs> if only. I mean, the problem with... <laughs> it's going to be so graphic for the poor, able-bodied, obvious audience that's listening. Hey, I'm here for it. I'm very, very graphic. Cool. I can tell a horror story after. So, the, it's it's funny when you say the notion of, of, like, explosive diarrhea just sounds wonderful. But, like, when you've been... It's not exactly constipated because I will eventually pass it. And it's not like... Yeah. But like, so with IBS, one of the things you can have with IBSC, which is what I have a tentative diagnosis for, um, is this idea of your colon spasming, where it's trying to push matter both directions at the same time. So it's... Yeah, it's, I, I get so Yeah. So for me, it's like, if you had diarrhea that never passed through your body, but you got so physically exhausted from the muscle contractions that like you couldn't really do much. You were just aching and sore and tired and your body, it gets to the point where it's too weak to move poop in your body. And you're just like the idea that all of that matter that's causing this upset could just have explosively left my body. And I would now be in the recovery stage instead of still sick with this. Oh yeah. I would have taken that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I like I've had all sorts of weird digestive things just mm-hmm. because my organs don't like to stay in place. Oh goodness, but, <laughs> that's fair. But so what's what's been so I used to always be like originally before I had my EDS diagnosis, I had an IBSD diagnosis. Okay. So yep. So like lots uh, lots of diarrhea. I take it. Yeah, like five times a day, like every day. Ooh, that's forever. rough. And. Once I got the EDS diagnosis, that actually helped way more than anything else um, because it explained the digestive issues and I I started to figure out what I needed to do to an extent, um, especially with dysautonomia because I was getting very dehydrated and having more of those issues. Mm -hmm. And the problem with dysautonomia and your digestive system is your digestive system, well, when it comes to pooping, is controlled by your autonomic nervous system. Of course. My autonomic nervous system likes to do whatever it wants. Of course. <laughs> so sometimes I get the wrong signals. I miss signals um, and all sorts of great stuff like that. And then being on Percocet has uh, really slowed things down in there. Sure. And so like, opiates and constipation are most definitely a thing. That so sounds rough. I've been dealing with that since being put on it. And Oof. luckily, I finally figured out one of my my uh, signs, which is so hilarious, is now I don't know I need to poop because I get the feeling of pressure and needing to go. My nose runs. Interesting. So instead of being like, oh, I have to go poop, I have to grab a tissue and be like, oh, I have to go poop. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, I hear you. It's so bad. 
It's called defecation rhinitis. That's so interesting. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> and, uh-huh. And it's so much fun. I'm so curious other- what causes it. Autonomic nervous system misconnections. Sure, sure. Okay, fair enough. And then when I pee, my eyes water. <laughs> Interesting. So my body has switched some signals. Uh-huh. Just a little bit. And then it also sets off like my my heat problem. So like I overheat really easily out of nowhere. Like my body just makes its own heat, I guess. Rough. And um, it's almost like having a fever, but there's no infection or anything like that. I definitely, yeah, I definitely so. have some like wildly shifting body temperatures based on like things like even just my response to pain. Like if mm. something's, if something's really, really painful, like, you know how you were saying your blood pressure can drop. Yeah. Sometimes my blood pressure will drop and like my internal heat can change as well. Like, and as much as like a couple of degrees, like I've definitely taken my temperature and been like 35.3 degrees Celsius. I'm going to Wikipedia this. And it's like normal temperatures can vary as much as between 35.3 and like <laughs> 38.3 or something like that. And I was like, or 39. I can't remember what it was before it's considered a fever. I- but hypothermia starts at like 35.2 and I was at 35.3 and I was like, God damn it. Oh, wow. Like the other way, getting cold. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll, I always get hot. It's so annoying. I'm always like in that low-grade fever range. So what what happens for me when I'm having stomach upsets is I start sweating. Me too. But the sweating leads to me losing body heat and my body doesn't compensate. Like it doesn't figure out that I'm losing body heat. It's just like, oh, you need to sweat. Like you're clearly still too warm. You're clearly still too warm. And I'm taking my temperature and it's like dropping. And then the second, um, the second I get out of a space where I can sweat, by which I mean go into like a hot bath. It's like the way that some cats like grind their heads at your hand. I'm like, like grinding my hips down into the hot water. And like my shivering response comes back and like, I just start like warming my body up and then like, I can't have enough of myself under the water at a time. I'm just soaking in the heat from the water. Like when I push my legs out to put my chest in, my legs feel so cold. And then when I put my legs in, my chest feels so cold. It's just like, it's not fun. (laughs) I'm highly suspicious. You have a form of dysautonomia. It's altogether possible. It's like so altogether (laughs) possible. Electrolytes, fluids, feel sick when don't have them da, 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 da. yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's there's so many different types so you could definitely god damn it i should i should level. definitely follow up and like google about that and even just get like a general sense of what it is if i don't have it because <sighs> well there's like there, i said there's a bunch of types and it all kind of comes down to your autonomic nervous system and the funny thing is the reason that mine is screwing up is that if i'm upright my blood's not moving properly Oh, like because my of... veins are so loose right. that my blood just sits. Right. And after enough years then, of that, your nervous system could just become dysregulated. And like now, so like I'll be sitting here and like I don't have the door open because we're recording and like I'm I'm hot. <laughs> like it's weird. Like Got it's it. like it's totally normal temperature in here. It's kind of a cooler day, but like my body is telling me I'm hot, which is so annoying. But then in the winter, I can't get warm. Like, right. no matter what's happening, my body can't figure out how to opposite it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So a couple of weeks ago, I was really, really sick, really sick with a uh, good old constipation from the meds. Mm-hmm. And it turned into a four hour event that required me to cuddle ice packs because my body temperature was rising so much. I was losing consciousness trying to go. <laughs> oh, that's, that's like, so hard. It was, it was a party <laughs> like, Oh my God. And it was just like, one of those things that nobody else would have to think of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I better grab my back size ice pack so I can hug it while I'm on the toilet so I don't faint. No, I actually 100% get where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's like, and like, that's the other, like I told, was telling you the other day where I went to Costco and was like, oh, that's a great deal for deodorant. And it was like this aerosol dove deodorant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's great. That's so cool. It's on sale get it home try and use it dislocate my finger trying to press the button down that's so frustrating try a different way dislocate another finger went on to my support groups hey other crippled friends do you know how to do this and they're just like mm, tape your fingers before you use it i'm like i'm literally coming out of a shower i'm not gonna go tape my <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like it's such a process like why would i even bother using it i'm just gonna go get my regular stick deodorant like forget it yeah absolutely but like, but it's so great. Like my friends started this group on Facebook and I'm so thankful for it. And I actually helped uh, moderate it a little bit and it's called EDS life hacks. Mm-hmm. And it literally, it's such a resource because we all just go in there and every time we find something that helps us, we're just like, Hey everybody. Just want to let you know, I found this adaptive device right. that's like cheap. And now my life's easier. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, thank you. Because it's just things that don't get advertised, things don't get thought about. Right. That people have made adaptations for. Unfortunately, not deaf deodorant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure there's a way to like figure out like a piece of rubber that would depress the button, and then like a firm piece of cardboard or something over it, and then just taping it onto the top. So you just mash the top of the thing with like your palm, like yeah, or even like. A little bit more support on the side so i have my summer for my thumb to go while i grip down right right like just i don't know yeah i hear you it's frustrating just things that people don't have to overanalyze when they're shopping of course because like i don't i can't just like try something new i have to like look into it yeah it's and then so when you were talking about an ice pack one of the ways that i control um sort of my inner temperature as well as it just being a helpful thing for um, constipation can be like an enema. So I can do like a really cold enema and then I have like a wand to do it while I'm in a bath so that I can sit in a hot bath while I get a really cold enema and then I can go release it on a toilet. But it effectively does the same thing of chilling my core, but without dropping my body temperature. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, my one friend always tells me to drink tea when I'm hot, but just the idea of it <laughs> freaks me out. Yeah, it can be she pretty uncomfortable. She has too, so she's probably like not far off in what I need to do. Interesting. But like, the idea of picking up a hot cup of tea when I'm hot, <laughs> I don't know. My experience with hot tea when I'm hot is that it makes me sweat. And for me, sweating is really effective. It may not be for you. I, I sweat all the time. It's, <laughs> it's literally constant. Like when I was dyeing my hair yesterday, out of my gloves is just like water pouring, just pour 
pouring out of my gloves, pouring down my face. It's insane to the point where like you can see droplets. It's like something rained on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when people do makeup for movies and they need to visually be expressive about what's happening. You're like, no, that's just me all the time. I sweat all the time, too. Yeah. Like, are you nervous right now? Nope. Just sweating. Just sodomia. Well, thank you for the for the tip off that dysautonomia is something I should look into. I feel yeah, like, like just like especially when it comes to like digestion and stuff, like it's all autonomic. So right, and I do sweat profusely. Like my brother has, um, I forget what it's called. It's the thing where you sweat too much. Um, but yeah, I think that's right. Hyperhidrosis. Um, he went and got Botox for it, which is apparently a thing you can do. Ooh. But apparently you have to like, you have to do it regularly because it only, it's, you know, botulism toxin only temporarily works. Yeah. Yeah. I've read about it for migraines too, but never really got there because there was something counter in, what is it? I mean, the idea of like. Something to do, something to do with EDS and Botox, like connective tissue. Oh goodness. Because of course there'd be counterindications. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because it's something, something, because like when they do it for migraine, they do it in the back of the neck. Mm-hmm. And I think it could lead to instability or something. And I already have cranial instability. Oof. Yeah, I hear you. So. So. Yeah. It was like my, my doctors were kind of like back and forthing it. Like, oh, but it could help, but it could do this. And I was like, oh, there's too much back and forth. I don't, I don't like this mm-hmm. <laughs> as an option. <laughs> Could do more. I want at least like a couple more good than bad, right. not equal. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Just like I already had a steroid shot fail in my shoulder, and that was awful. So, do you have any tips for folks that are working through grief or that have recently lost the ability to do something? I think a lot of it is is finding what you can do and like learning those adaptations. And being accepting of them, and that's really hard, and it sucks at first when you're holding a device or using something that makes you look different. Mm -hmm. But, like, if it's going to make you have a better time and you're going to enjoy something, then that's what you kind of have to... you got to have to get selfish when you have chronic illness, (laughs) to an extent. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know what? Sometimes I really got to think about myself. And, like, I'm not just going to sit here and look pretty because my needs make you uncomfortable right yeah and that that choice to to give up on embarrassment and to give up on what people think of you and just be like i don't fucking care i know how badly my body needs this i'm just gonna ask like that takes a while to develop i feel like you have to suffer a lot to get there and it's hard and it's hard asking even like still to this day on transit i still have a hard time asking for a seat that I have every right to mm-hmm. like it's difficult because you're just going up to people and hoping one that they believe you because right. you don't necessarily look different and two that they're actually going to get up <laughs> like so yeah there's been times where other people have done it for me I've had many chivalrous men yell at people <laughs> sitting down. I mean I guess if it works <laughs> yeah oh Sorry, husband just came home. Right. So your your husband came home and then we had to get set up again and your phone almost died and we're ready to start. Yes? 
Yeah, we're good to go. Amazing. Um, so we were talking about we were talking about things like dark humor and having funerals for abilities that you used to enjoy, things that you want to do that you're just not able to do, and like grief of being able to move through and past that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you have any any other thoughts around this sense of like fate or the sense of like finding hope or light when you're dealing with such heavy and difficult things in your life? Um, well, like, I guess kind of like, um, a lot of it too is having a good support system. Um, mm. cause like I have my online support groups and stuff like that and just understanding just how many people are going through it. It's mm-hmm. a lot when you think you're alone and it makes you feel really alone. So having other people that validate those feelings that, okay, like this amount of the population is also going through this. Like I can't just sit here and whine about it. If other people can push through as well, like they, they've all, we've all worked together to find things to make our lives easier so that we can then move forward from this. Mm -hmm. And like, nobody's going to make all of those ideas on their own. I'm not going to figure out how to adapt things immediately by myself or find things that I can do that I might enjoy. So like just reaching out, even just on Facebook groups really just opened up my eyes. And that was part of like the letting go of embarrassment too. It's just like, I would go in those groups and I would post about the horrible thing that happened to me, no matter how gross it was. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, responded to negatively or with like ew that's gross like tmi Mm -hmm. it was like oh i'm so sorry that you're going through that i'm going through that as well what i found is that helps is if i make sure i you know have a full glass of water before i eat Mm -hmm. just to like get my stomach and ready to know that things are coming stuff like that like it's just little things right it's like oh well now that i put a wedge pillow in my bed i can sleep like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just you can't Unfortunately, like we're a a species that really relies on each other Mm -hmm. and just being able to do that is important, I think. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you have to be able to vent, like it's hard sometimes talking to normal people Mm -hmm. about things they can't understand because you can sympathize, but if you haven't been through it, empathy gets a little harder. (laughs) It can end up being, I think, more distancing than connecting. Pardon? Oh, when you're talking with someone who hasn't had the experience, instead of it being a connecting experience, it can end up feeling more distancing and you feel more alone afterwards instead of more together. Mm. That's been my experience anyways. Like when talking to people with similar similar issues? No, when talking to people who don't have similar issues. Oh, yeah. Whereas like when talking to people with with similar issues, I tend to feel more connected after the conversation. But when I talk with quote unquote normal people or people who just don't have any map for what that's like, um, I end up doing emotional labor to like make sure they feel safe at the end of the conversation. And it's a draining thing instead of a feeding thing. That's very true. Cause that can be a big thing. And I definitely lost friendships along the way mm-hmm. and it happened like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but 
Yeah, being able to, again, the, that's like the, such the cool thing about the internet is I have friends now from like across the world with EDS and I've gone and visited them. Like I've gone to Minnesota to visit a friend. I've gone to Wisconsin to visit a friend. Like, and there's nothing more fun than spending a week vacation with someone who's as limited as you are. Because if you say, I can't do this anymore, I need a break. They go, okay. <laughs> it's not like a come on just push through oh you can't be feeling that bad if you're still doing it right of course just try harder <laughs> yeah exactly instead you just get to say I don't feel good and they go okay let's rest <laughs> well I'm sure that won't last very long it'll pass <laughs> yeah can't you just pop it back in? Can't, doesn't this happen all the time? <laughs> Aren't you used to dislocations by now? <laughs> uh, I forgot, my bad, sorry. Over it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, now that you've put it in the context of the rest of my life, which clearly I forgot, everything's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, it was like one time, like talking about learning about things that you can't do anymore and like grieving it as I went to the fair with my friends mm -hmm. and I have now learned that there's a lot of rides that I used to be able to handle. I can't anymore. Oh, like no. we went on the Gravitron. Oh no. That was you. And I couldn't walk off because my, my freaking hip dislocated halfway through the ride from oh. the pressure of being pushed up against the wall. It just popped out. Oh, that sucks. You can't be, you no longer can be centrifuged. Yeah. My friends had to like one on either side. We walk outside. I was like, get me to that pylon. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like the concrete barrier. Get me over there. Walk over, push my leg on it. Huge crack. I'm like, there we go. Oh, that just sounds uncomfortable. It's just so awkward. Cause like looking at my friends, getting off the ride and being like, guys, don't get off. Don't get off yet. Oh. I need you. <laughs> That's rough. Oh man, it was so awkward. I think it's it's funny too because there's like they're like the moment that you realize you can't do the thing that you thought you could, and the moment sometimes when you're in denial and you ill-advisedly do it again, as I've done with foods many times. Um, yeah. And with food, sometimes you just don't know. You're like, well, it could have been that packet of like emergency vitamin C powder that happened to have some fructose in it. That might have done it. But it was such a small amount of fructose. I have a hard time believing that was the culprit. Or it could have been this other thing. Or it could have been maybe I just had too much plain potato because sometimes bulk is a thing. Or maybe I was just stressed that day couldn't tell you <laughs> so like there is some guesswork yeah. and that tied together with denial leads to me going on a lot of proverbial amusement park rides that i'd rather <laughs> rather not have started well it's funny because like i had i had done like the check in my head looking at each ride what i thought i could handle and mm -hmm. i like saw the scrambler which i used to love and i was like nope too much pressure on the neck flopping back and forth right and you know i do my like I did my like wellness checks of the rides and I was like, well, what could happen on a gravity ride? Like the worst that can happen is it's gravity. And I'm like, Oh, that's why. <laughs> yep. And now, <laughs> like, you know, just, like, I just had no idea that that could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah. That I, I don't think anyone would have but, suspected that reasonably, but 
now that you've done it, I'm sure you can't imagine, <laughs> you know, not thinking about that danger. Yeah, I know. I'd have to go in with all my braces on. And once they saw the braces, they'd be like, you can't go on this ride. And I'd be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> then why did I put all these on? Damn you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Good day, sir. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the last thing I wanted to touch on around grief was this idea that for me, grief has typically been like a need for meaning. Like when I, when I see it in the context of nonviolent communication, I often think of it as an unmet need, uh, an unmet need for um, meaning or purpose. And I'm just curious what role purpose or meaning plays for you in the idea of grieving and moving through stuff. A lot of it, I think, is like, if you haven't experienced lows, then how do you appreciate the highs, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's really hard to have gone through some of the things I've gone through. But then I've also had really amazing times. And, like, nothing can take those away. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can't repeat them. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, yeah, like, I, I find that... I'm just more appreciative of the good times when I've like accepted the bad times, sat with them, grieved them, pushed through. And then I get to like, when something's good or I find something I can do, it's just that much more exciting. Right. Cause like I have mm -hmm. all these limits built in my head, but like sometimes something comes along I've never even thought of before. And like, I almost find myself more receptive to it mm -hmm. because I know I've lost so many things that, well, if I don't try this, then I won't have this either. Absolutely. So it's kind of like, a, like there's always a give and take with everything, literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there's always just going to be a little bit of bad with the good. And just because you get a little extra dose of bad doesn't mean you won't get some on the good side as well. Billy, thank you so much for talking about grief with me today. Thank you for your time. So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard? Or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.